podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to 49 on Beat on the official Arsenal Babble podcast. And we're back here with an England chat today and we're going to be obviously previewing the big one tonight. This one's going to be going out two hours before kickoff. So hopefully around six o'clock right now you're listening, maybe getting a few pre-match beers in, getting ready to um, watch the game tonight. Um, Obviously we're an Arsenal channel, we're going to kick things off. We're going to talk a little bit of transfers, a little bit of speculation and then move on to previewing the game. Um, but yeah, I've got my main guys with me today. I've got Ben and Jack. How are you doing, lads? You good? Yeah, good, thank you. Good to have you both back on again. I know it's been a while. Um, we're going to start off talking about Arsenal's midfield. And we've had some talk about potentially Locatelli rejecting Arsenal. I know he was an option um, for us to have in the midfield. Um, but there's been there's been some rumours about maybe a Basuma or um, I know... Arsenal admirers of Ronaldo Sanchez, but Jack, for you, what what players would you like to see in that midfield role, replacing the outgoing Grant? Well, what looks like the outgoing Granite Xhaka? Well, Locatelli would be a perfect replacement, but you know he's you know been amazing this Euro twenty twenty tournament. But you know if he's if he's rejected, that's you know it's understandable. <laughs> but um, he, um, to replace, to who I'd like to see coming to replace Xhaka, well, Renato Sanchez. He's another, as you mentioned there, mm. who I think would fit in nicely. Um, he's sort of that, sort of got, a, he's got physical ability, doesn't he? Mm. As well as you know, we need, we've always needed that sort of, that you know, to be comfortable with the midfield. And I think Renato Sanchez and even Basuma would bring that to that to the Arsenal, um, to the squad. But mm. the way things are going, I think we're only find out for sure after the Euros at the moment it's just speculation you know names flying everywhere but if we can bring any of those names in it would definitely shore up a midfield and you know be you know a decent replacement for the uh, the ongoing Granit Xhaka Ben with those midfield options obviously you talk about Basuma and he's been at Brighton for the last couple of years he's obviously Premier League proven and we've seen this season how good he is would you rather have that Premier League proven player over the likes of a Ronaldo Sanchez, who we know has been hyped up before and flopped to Swansea and uh, Bayern Munich, but now looking to like go on again? Do you think that Premier League proven factor is um, an important one? I think in the short term, yeah. Um, I think if you're looking at a team that's going to do well before Christmas, you've got enough to bring in Premier proven players who don't need to go out of speed with the league. I mean... Pepe's two seasons in is only just really getting up to speed with the Premier League. So, you know, you've got to take those things into consideration. Um, with Renato Sanchez, I'm not as sold as a lot of Arsenal fans, mainly because of his injury record. And we know every player, when he comes to Arsenal, their injury record gets worse. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to touch that one with a barge pole. Um, as for Locatelli, I do think that we don't need a replacement for Rana Xhaka in the sense of, we don't need all the things that Granit Xhaka brings to the table because I think Ben White from centre-back will do a lot of the work that Xhaka is doing in terms of ball progression and bringing the ball out and, you know, finding passes. 
So I think at the same time next to party would be absolutely fantastic. I think he's probably my number one target and has been for most of the summer. Okay, and obviously moving on from midfield, um, there's been a, a little bit of talk. Obviously, it's not been completely uh, proven yet, but um, Hossam Awad, there's been talk that Arsenal have made an offer in the in the region of 20 to 25 million, which is close to apparently what Leon would accept, which is a lot less, by the way, compared to last summer when they were asking, what, 60 million for him. So, Jack, would you take that Hossam Awad for 20, 25 million over a 60 million Madison, for example? Or do you think that, um, I don't know, Hossam Awad, do you think, do you think that's, that, that boat sailed? Do you think he's not quite the type for Arsenal? I think it's like similar to what Ben said about obviously being Premier League proven and the likes of you know Pepe taking you know he's taking a couple of seasons to get get the ground running. Um, but I think twenty five million for our I think sounds like a bargain, doesn't it? Bargain It's a bargain, and for, for, for a player of his quality as well, mm. you know he has proven his worth. Yeah, and that he's worth the likes of sixty million or forty million, mm. where you know what they were asking the previous season. If we can get him for that sort of money this season, yeah, I think it is a no-brainer. But I feel like Madison may be a safer option if we are to go... Yeah, he is proven in the Premier League, but it's they're both, you know, equally equally mm. good players. But I think our, for me, I think if we can get him for 25 million, that is a bargain for a top quality player. Ben, 25 million for a you taking it? It's a no-brainer for me if you can fix his off-the-field issues. I mean, we're looking at Smith Rowe, who has done a fraction of what I was done, you know, uh, domestically in his career. Um, he's got, We're looking at 30, 35 million that Villa are trying to bid for him. Um, and we're not accepting, you know, he's worth more than that to us. So if you're looking at someone like Usmawa, you can bring him in at 25 million euros. That's an absolute bargain. I think he should be all over that, even if he only plays, you know, 20 games next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that would be, you can just imagine the, um, what, Arsenal attack with, well, Saka, Pepe on the wide areas, Awar in the middle, Aubameyang down the middle, option for Smith-Rowe in there somewhere. It'd be, it'd be, look, it'd be looking tasty, it'd be looking tasty. Um, just just another quick one on that, that um, we're going to go look at a couple of outgoings that have happened. Um, earlier in the uh, week, Odegaard confirmed that he's not going to be returning to Arsenal. He put out a, um, a farewell, farewell message to Arsenal fans on his uh, Instagram and social media platforms. Jack, what did you make of Odegaard's time at Arsenal? Do you think it was... Well, what, what can you make of it, really? It was only, what, six months? Yes, very brief, wasn't it? But, I mean, he's still brought to the table what we need. We, we needed that bit of creativity. Yeah, definitely. Oh, we, we were creating goals. In terms of creating goals, we were dreadful. We were, yeah. you know, abysmal. But when Odegaard did come in, he had that new spark, that bit of creativity... And he, he did improve that Arsenal side, I have to say. He wasn't, he, he, you know, still young, still has a lot of potential. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad with his little six-month tenure um, yeah. in North London. So, yeah, no, it's, it was good. I'm sure he's going to go on to be a, um, a Madrid superstar. I mean, you, you, can, you can tell with some players, like, he's, he's a very talented um, guy. And he's only 22 and he's been around on the stage for, since he was 16, he made his Real Madrid debut. So, um, he's definitely going to go on to achieve a lot of a lot of things, whether that's at Real Madrid or another club. Um, another outgoing, Matteo Guendouzi, a transfer saga, which, I mean, can you call it a transfer saga? 
it's finally looks like it's come to an end. Um, a loan to Marseille with some people reporting an option, some people reporting an obligation to buy. Um, but regardless, it looks like Guendouzi will be a Marseille player um, for the foreseeable. Ben, is that is that a, a sad a sad day, or do you think it, it had to happen? Oh, it, it had to happen. Um, you know, his attitude stunk from mm. the moment Arteta walked in the door. Basically, they've fallen out so many times, um, and obviously, like a lot of people say, it's not you know his passion and stuff, but. There's that line between like passion and just sheer attitude and the stuff you could do when Patrick Vieira and Tony Adams were around. It's completely different to the stuff you can get away with nowadays where, you know, are moving your head a fraction towards another player as an automatic red card. So you're looking at Guendouzi and saying, do you want a man who's practically a walking red card to replace a man who was already a practically a walking red card in the Arsenal midfield? And the answer is probably not. You want, you know, the option to be able to play with 11 players every now and then. Yeah, um... To, to be fair, I don't think I don't think Guendouzi was that that reckless. In a I don't know, he, he he definitely had attitude problems, but I don't think he was quite a walking red card. And I don't know, he was um whatever whatever happens, you I think to be honest, the only way Matteo Guendouzi would ever get back into Arsenal's Arsenal's team or or the squad, regardless, would be if Arteta was to leave. But um, it doesn't look like that's happening anytime soon. Um, today is the first day of Arsenal pre-season. Um, players that haven't been involved in the European tournaments are returning to London Colney to to begin the preparation. Um, day, day one, really. I mean, what's uh, we've we've got? It's now the countdown to um, Brentford away, first game of the season. Jack, on, on, obviously, there's a big game tonight, but can, can you start to get excited for the new season? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, the Euros have been buzzing for, mm. you know, especially that we've we've managed to get this far as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm already getting excited for the new season. I mean, I always do, mm. and then that turns to uh, it turns out to uh, to hurt me quite a lot because I get too excited. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, yeah, of course, yeah. I'm really looking forward to this, this season. It's um, you know Arteta's second proper season in charge, isn't it? Yes. Um, so we can actually sort of hopefully we can see his sort of philosophy to sort of take place with some um, new signings coming in. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, definitely you should uh, start to get excited. I think I sound like um, what's his name? Um, the uh, the Cronkies. You start to get excited. Start to get excited. <laughs> well, also gets be excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's um, even though it's his second full season, it's his, I'm pretty sure this is his first like full pre-season pre-season of having the players. Because <laughs> obviously COVID last year, and then he only had half a season the season before, so. It'll be interesting to see um, see what happens there, and hopefully um, we can have some nice little additions to go to the squad. Um, was there anything else that you lads wanted to talk about Arsenal before we move on to England? No, apart from Lukonga potentially coming in, I think that's yeah. basically done. and Lukonga look like they're going to be our first two additions. You've got Tavares, the, the Benfica left-back, and then Lukonga, who's um, uh, Anderlecht midfielder. There's, there's been a lot of talk about Lukonga. Obviously, I can't really say that I know too much about him. I know I've seen too much about him, but he's um, there's a lot of talk that he's kind of the next big thing in Belgium. And Fabrizio Romano reporting that um, we've come to a, 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 a figure of around 17 million for Lukonga, which is which is a, a fairly decent amount. I mean, obviously, we can't just rely on him, but I think the the um, the idea is that Lukonga is more of a 
a Gwendouzi replacement than a Shaka replacement. So, so fingers crossed That's we fine. can bring in um, another player there as well. Um, so we're going to move on to talk about tonight, the big one, England versus Denmark. Um, we're just going to start off with Ben. How are you feeling, mate? Uh, confident, I think. Confident, <laughs> I think, I think. <laughs> well, you, you know, your nerves start shredding no matter who you're playing. If, I, if we were in an FA Cup final against, I don't know, Luton Town, and we'd have the best season of our life, I'd still, my nerves would be shredded ahead of the final. You know, this is like, this is as close to the final as England have been in our lifetime. Mm. Um, you know, this is the best we've done since 96. And we've really got a good chance of making the final and playing Italy, who I think are beatable. So I think that if we can get through, I think I think Denmark could be a much harder game than Italy would be. I think we're we're much better set up to play against Italy than we are against Denmark. I think I don't really know what the Danes are going to do. Whereas I think with Italy, it's quite clear what they're going to try and do because they've got some very very talented but very limited players in the likes of Jorginho, you know, who are going to. Dictate how that team plays. What a tournament! Denmark, having, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's been alright, hasn't he? Mm. <laughs> and to think that, well, Mikel Arteta saw it before everyone else, didn't he? he? Well, there was talk that um, before the window opened that Jorginho is one of our options, and the Arsenal fan base went into meltdown. And now, mm. it, it now is is um, I'm like it's it's crazy to think. The tournament the Italians are having, none of us called this at the start. And a fair play to them for everything they go, everything they're doing. And if England do get to that final, what a game that could be, England versus Italy in the final. Um Jack, how are you how are you feeling ahead of the big one tonight? Do you think that Denmark have had their moment or do you think they're still a team to be feared? I I still think they're a team to be feared. Mm. They're they lost their first two games of the group stages. And you thought they were down and out, but they're in a you know a Euro semi-final. I think they can't be underestimated, um, and there's and because of that, and because they are so unpredictable, unlike where Ben said about Italy being, you sort of know how they play and you sort of yeah. know how to set up against them. But with Denmark, where they're so unpredictable and where they have been so impressive, um, you know, no disrespect to Denmark, but because you know. You, you wouldn't think Denmark would get to that stage. Mm. I think it's going to be tough. I mean, any any semi-final is going to be tough, but I think, you know, we've, we've just got to um, play with that same confidence as we did against Ukraine. And I think, you know, if we get to that, if we do get to the final, it will be a very tough final. One thing that will make the um, the moment even sweeter for us is if, um, if England can pro- progress with... Um, a certain, a certain young Bukayo Saka within that within that side. I don't know if you guys have seen the memes, but Saka on the old um, inflatable unicorn this week. <laughs> could he? Um, could he make an appearance? Ben, are you thinking he, that? He Saka... should start. Go on. He, I think, I think, he should, I think he should be starting. Personally, I think that right hand side we haven't got. I mean, Jaden Sancho came on against Ukraine, uh, starting against Ukraine, and did all right. But Saka was brilliant when he played there um, for a couple of games, for a game and a half, rather. So I think that he's earned his right to play in that position. Now he's back from injury. I'd love to see him play there because he just plays with a fearlessness that I think we're going to need. And I think that not a lot of other 
England players play with, you know, at his age to be able to do what he does on the ball and to be able to pick the pass that he picks. He plays with such a maturity and yet such a desire to keep going that I think he's he, he's made himself indispensable to that England right side, which is weird to think because obviously he was one of those players that was right on the edge for a lot of people. Like, is he going to be cut from the 33? Is he going to stay? Yeah. You know, is he there to make up numbers or is he there for his versatility? But actually, he's there because he's a damn good player. <laughs> he deserves to be there. Mm, definitely, definitely. And when you, you're getting ahead of Sancho and Foden, which is some, some some players that have had some of the best seasons in Europe, then I think it's definitely saying something. Jack Saka for you, Foden, Sancho, who, who, who's starting on that right side? Yeah, when Saka did play, he was, you know, arguably one of our best players. You know, he was, you know, in, in the group stages where we didn't score as many goals as you think we would, um, he had that um, difference going forward. He had that drive and sort of fearlessness, didn't he? He wasn't, he's not scared, is he? He's got nothing to lose, really. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's, you know, it's a big shout to Southgate if he does play Saka. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, what is there to lose? It said that right hand side we haven't had hasn't had you know hasn't been that impressive. Whereas you know the, the minutes Saka did play, he was so sure. It's, it's you know don't take risks and you won't get the rewards. So I mean yeah, I, I think why not? Why not play Saka? I think Saka's got to start for me. I think he's got to start, but then I think we could definitely see one of Foden or Sancho in about the the 60th minute maybe because. Saka does tend to burn out after... He's still only 19, you've got to take this into account. Like He has tended to burn out after about the, the 50, 60 minute mark. So I think maybe maybe play Saka because I think he's been our most effective player on that right-hand side. But then as soon as you get to maybe that kind of stage, look to bring on a, a Foden or a Sancho. Foden's not really had that many minutes since the first game as well. So he could definitely play a part in this game, I'm thinking. Um a question which I've, I've kind of spoken about with some people and on other podcasts that I've been on, we, we, we just kind of asked the question, like, do you rest players for this game? Because I know it's Denmark, but it's not any... Ben, I see you shaking your head straight away, but hear me out, hear me out. Like, what, like you, do you rest any players whatsoever for this game? Just trying to play a bit of devil's advocate here and not give my opinion. But say, for example, Harry Kane goes out, scores some goals but then plays the full 90 and then does his hamstring or something. And then we have to play Calvert-Lewin versus Italy. Like to avoid those kind of scenarios or something, do you rest players for that game? No. I think you rest players when the results sewn up. I think you see it a lot in like FA Cup football where you play an underdog and then you play a weakened side with sort of your strong team on the bench. Yeah. And you're bringing on, you know, you see Guardiola, who's had enough of like Mars and Sterling on the wings, it turns to De Bruyne and Aguero after 70 minutes because they're 2 1 down. You know, it's yeah. a case of for me, I'd always say play your strongest side. If they've got it done by 60 minutes, you've got five subs, you can change half the team. Yeah. Like, you can change that entire front <laughs> yeah. line and then be able to do it if necessary. Um, so I personally, I would say, no, not a chance. Play your strongest side because yellow cards don't matter either after this game. So there's not that issue either where there was last game with obviously Phillips and Rice playing both on the other cards. But you play your strongest team, you get the result done. If you're 3-0 up after 60 minutes, 4-0 up after 60 minutes, which I don't think it will be. But if you are, then you can start bringing off your Canes, your Sterlings, your Declan Rice's, you know, the people that are important to the side and irreplaceable. Yeah. 
Well, you, you kind of mentioned there, Calvin Phillips. What a tournament he's had! Like he's he's no no one thought he like we should be anywhere near the the starting eleven. And some people are saying, why is James Ward Prowse not going ahead of Calvin Phillips? But what a tournament he's had, Jack. Like, do you think do you think he could be up there as one of England's most important players now? After this tournament, yeah, definitely. He's had a you know tournament of a lifetime. He's been fantastic. You know, yeah. you can see why. Um, Southgate is, you know, has put so much faith into him because he's seen that yeah. that difference. Yeah, he's been brilliant, and you know, he should, you know, definitely England fans should not overlook, you know, his, you know, his performance throughout this tournament. He's been brilliant. So yeah, definitely, yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. Do we do we owe Gareth Southgate an apology? Like this 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 question's been asked quite a lot as well. But I've got to hold my hands out. I've I've I doubted him massively going into this tournament and obviously nothing's happened yet. And I personally, personally believe that where we are is where we should be. And like the people we've beaten, we should have beaten. But if, if like, do you think we owe Gareth Southgate an apology for, for doubting him in this sense? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, there's always been, you know, there's always been that you know criticism towards him, but, even the way that even even his style of players got us to a you know to a semi final you know two semi finals in two that two um, international competitions. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, despite if we go out tonight or if we get to the final but we lose, he's you know he's got us to either a potential final mm. of the Euros or to the semi finals. And I think yeah, he's, he's we haven't seen this before. No. You know the England the England teams that. We've watched before, you know, the, the 2018 World Cup and obviously Euro 2020. Mm. I've always crashed out either in the group stages or the early knockout rounds. So, yeah, it's, it's brilliant to see what Gareth has done. And, you know, people who have doubted him have, have sort of been proved, proved wrong in a way. So, yeah. Ben, what have you got an opinion on that? I'll hold off on my apologies for the moment, I think. I think <laughs> the bare minimum England should be getting is the semi-final of this tournament. Um, based on the side we have, based on the talent we have, I think that there's, you know, you can, Southgate's done well in various regards. I think against Germany particularly, you know, the, the return to the back three and the way that we nullified Germany's threat was particularly impressive. But, you know, there are still games where you look at it and you go, well, that's Gareth Southgate, isn't it? And Scotland, for example, is the one that springs to mind. Yeah. You know, we we we've got a lot of talent in that side that probably should be doing as well as it is doing. You know, there are people that you've got to thank, like Maguire, for making it back from a torn Achilles and playing it somehow 100% immediately. Unbelievable. Um, but I think there's a lot of the feel-good factor around the England camp is down to Southgate, which I like. You know, you, he's a very very good representative of the country, mm. but. As an actual football manager, I think the apologies can be held out. You know, we can hold out on the apologies just now in terms of how we think his style works and whether we think he's the right manager long term. Yeah, I think you've got, you've got to give him credit for, for a lot of things, including, I think, the Harry Maguire decision, which a lot of people question, like, oh, why is Harry Maguire going? Why are you taking an injured player? He's come in and Harry Maguire has been massive. And um, another player which has been, Luke Shaw has been incredible this tournament too so like, it's really good to see so many players um, stepping up and hopefully they can do it another two times 
what what a game last night, by the way. We're, we're going to talk about the game last night real brief. Um, uh, Spain versus Italy went oh. to Alvaro Morata went from hero to villain very quickly. Um, but Jack, what did you make of the game last night? It was what was it one one until um, well one 0 until like the 80th minute. Then Morata scored and then much extra time went to penalties and then Morata um, had his penalty saved. It, it, it was just, just it was the final you wanted to watch, wasn't it? Is it it's a final? Is it sorry, a semi final that you know this it's a semi final you want? Obviously, it's not a semi final that I particularly want tonight. I'd like to go through in ninety minutes. I don't want to penalty shoot yeah. out, but. <laughs> When you're when you're the neutral and watching a uh, watching a game like that, it's brilliant. I mean, both teams. I mean, I, I wasn't particularly impressed with Spain, you know, you know, throughout this throughout this all until last night. They were excellent last night. Yeah. And against a you know a highly rated Italian side who have been in my eyes, you know, one of the, the best sides this tournament. Mm. Um, obviously, other than England, obviously. Gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, what what semi final wins, you know. Poor Spain and poor Morata, as you said. Um, I did call it that he'd miss one, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's. It, yeah, I think Italy deserve it, um, and if England get to the final, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough. Very tough. Ben, what did you make of the game? Um, it was probably one of the best game, if not the best game of the tournament. You know, it was quite high, high intensity football from the off, and I think you sort of expected Italy to hold on. And maybe nick a second on the break because they're so so good at defending. Like they just the way that the way that Chiellini launches himself in front of things and then celebrates like he's won the whole tournament after one block is just it's really good to see. Just because obviously you see you see it a bit with like Ruben Diaz now in the Premier League, but a lot of the time defenders aren't as passionate about defending as you know those two are. Mm. Um, but I think I think Spain, as you said, played really well. Probably edged it on, well, they obviously edged it on possession, but they probably edged it on chances as well. But they just weren't very, they've, they've had the same problem all tournament. They haven't been particularly clinical. And that's always come back to bite them. Mm. Um, I think last mm. night I did as well. You know, Danny Olmo was brilliant, but he's, there's still misses that you just defy logic. And you sort of think, why have you done that? Why have you shot there? Um, and it's just, Spain, Spain, I think, are going to be really, really good in the next couple of years. Mm. They've got a lot of really, really good young players. You know, Pau Torres, Ferran Torres, uh, Pedri, obviously, who ran the show. Yeah, yeah, Danny Olmo's only 23. It's about finding out, striking out through the middle that's actually going to be able to get them to glory. But I think you'd rather play... I think I'd rather play Italy than Spain in the final, if we get there. You know, that's a massive if. But if, if okay. we take it, I think I'd rather play I think I'd rather play Spain, to be honest. The way the Italians have played this tournament... Um, what a tournament, by the way. Some some crazy drama, red cards, high scoring games. Like what like what, what have you made of the Euros chat? Like it's it's been it's been an incredible tournament so far, and there's still still two big games left to play. But like is there is there a particular moment that stands out for you? It has to be England, Germany, really, doesn't it? I mean, it has to be. Has to be. But yeah, I mean, this this tournament has been, you know, after a year of, you know, quite a tough, you know, year and a half for everyone. Mm. It's been it's been brilliant. It's been you know the best thing in years you could say because it literally has been. Um, but <laughs> no, yeah, it's it, it's been brilliant. I've loved every moment of it. You know, I'll, you know, bring on the World Cup in December next year. Bring so, on the World Cup, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, we're gonna quickly end the podcast with a couple of score predictions. 
We're going to predict tonight's game, England versus Denmark. Jack, I'm going to, I'm going to come straight to you. Um, I, I, want, I, want a, I want a a goal prediction and I want to win a, a prediction of uh, what the score is going to be and also who's going to score the goals. Oh, it's tough. I, I, I think I think our defence has been impressive, so I think we'll keep not it clear. a single goal conceded. Not a single. Goal I know. Conceded. I know. So Amazing. I think we're going to continue that. So I'm going to say two New England, and I'm going to say both goals and set pieces. And I'm going to say Harry Kane and Maguire. Okay. Okay. Ben, what are you going for? I'm going to go for three New England. Um, okay. Just because I think I think Tuna is pretty fair, but I think you know we pushed the boat out a bit. Green <laughs> um, Sterling obviously is going to score. He can't stop scoring at Wembley. Um, I think John Stones will probably know him from a from a set piece. I think Maguire's, Maguire's had his turn. It's Stones' turn now. <laughs> and uh, and then I think Harry Kane will probably bag on late on. You know, sort of the the typical Harry Kane goal from about eight yards out for England, where <laughs> everyone else is. Have to put it in. I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for two one. I think I think we might get a little scare. I think we might get a little scare on like an early goal or something. I'm going to say I'm going to say two one, and I reckon, I think Sterling might get one again. What what a tournament he's having, by the way, boy from Brent. Um, Sterling will get one, and um, I'm going to tip Saka to get one as well. So. <sighs> Saka to score the winner, please. Oh, Saka! <laughs> Imagine the scenes if Saka scored like the winner in the final or something. But like, if, if England score normally, I'm, I'm like I'll, I'll celebrate like yes. But then if if Saka scores or like gets an assist or does a run, mate, I'm off my seat. I'm still on my chair. <laughs> um, well, cheers for listening, guys. Um, the countdown to kick off it, it's it's coming up now. Um, we've gone for an England win. We've all predicted an England win. We don't have Josh here, so we didn't have to predict a draw. Um, so fingers crossed and then we'll hopefully be back with another episode to um, talk about the final I mean fingers crossed England get there don't want to jinx it too soon um, but cheers for listening guys make sure to like subscribe tweet us at Arsenal Babble 1 um, all your footballing opinions on Arsenal transfers is Hossam would he be an, a dream signing who would you like in that that midfield role and we will be back with another episode soon cheers guys Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.